Let's go. Okay, so we are now recording the Poptimus podcast, and today we have uh, Chris Brown. Are you technically an employee of Bull Moose or Fieldstack? Fieldstack. Okay. I work for Fieldstack. I mean, I started out with Bull Moose, but yep. there's a. That's a great. That's actually a great place to start because it. So. Early, early on, uh, somebody who worked at a hardware store <laughs> refurbished a cash register and sold it to Brett, the founder and still president and, yeah. you know, of Bull Moose. This was when we were still in, uh, I can't remember if we were in the Tontine Mall behind where we are now or even in the original, original location. Well, uh, there's an original, original location? It where? Was, okay, so you, you grew up in Brunswick, so you know where the library is? Yes. Okay, we were up from the library, so if you went the wrong way down the street where Dunkin' yeah. Donuts is. Down Pleasant Hill. No, just it just the right where Dunkin' Donuts is off of Ple- off of uh, Main Street. Oh, so yeah, we Dunkin' Donuts. I think it's an Asian food restaurant now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we were down there. Uh, like, there was a liquor store down there, an army recruiter. It was just where you probably was twenty, with not a lot of money. Twenty. Wow. So that's just, impressive. Just where you could get a re- where you could get a, a place, mm-hmm. and it was so it's like a yoga studio now, um, but it's. Uh, you know, people found us, but yeah, so I can't remember if it was there. I think what happened was the store was broken into, the cash register was, you know, jimmied open, he, uh-huh. you know, because we just had one of the cheap, just a cheap regular cash yeah. register. And so we, somebody who was one of our regular customers refurbished one and traded it like for a bunch of cassettes or something, but we didn't have the manual. So when the sales tax rate changed in the early 90s, Brett, who had um, the money, the few $7,000 that he started Bull Moose with, came yeah. from a software job that he had had the summer between his like sophomore and junior what years. What year was this, are we talking here? 1989. 1989. So that was when the first Bull Moose opened in Brunswick. Uh-huh. Okay. So he said, well, you know, I, all right, I'll just write like a cash register program, you know, just run on a PC. And he did that. And that was a pivotal, that was a really important thing because then as, like, you know, we really want to have, uh, you know, we want to keep track of, you know, what we have in the store. So then he wrote, a, you know, added a database onto it to see, you know, what was selling. So your receipt didn't just say 1099 CD, it would say, you know, what it was. And we added a, the Bull Moose card, mm-hmm. um, you know, now people call those like loyalty programs yeah, or whatever, yeah. but you know, it was, it was pretty early on. That was, you know, usually at that point in the early nineties, it was mostly just like a punch card kind of system, but we went to an electronic one just to make it easier to keep track. You guys track were really of. early adopters of the way that things went. Yeah. Like this is very forward thinking back in 1989 to think to write a computer program to keep, is it, was it to keep tabs on inventory? Was it to keep tabs on... Well, it started out just as a straight-up replacement for a calculator. Okay. I mean, not a calculator, like a cash register. So sure. it was just, you know, adding up somebody's purchases, total, yep. say, you know, keeping track of the sales tax we owe. And, but then st- just, we just kept building things onto that. And so at, and then as, um, so there were t- probably two bull mooses when Brett started this. 
Okay. Um, and his office was in the back of the Wyndham Bull Moose. Then, at some, the Portland Bull Moose opened in 1994, and he had an office in Portland, above, actually above the State Theater in the same building. Um, I think I know where those offices are. Yeah, yeah, they they're, look very... They're probably nicer now, but then it, they looked like, um, you know... Well, like we were... The, the, I came... I came. He brought me back to Bull Moose in 96, so he was still in there. So it's like our next-door neighbor was a collection agency. Uh-huh. But it looked very much... You know, like there were bullet holes in some of the glass, you know. It had Damn. this real, like... Yeah, it had a, you know, very... Um, you know, like like you could... Like a like a noir film, you know. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. could, have been, could have been shot there. There should be like detective <laughs> agencies with the bottle of whiskey in the drawer, you know. Um, so the frosted window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you know, some woman in a red dress shows up at. at She's you know, trouble. Seven forty-five in the morning. Yeah. You know, wakes him up. Yeah, that kind of thing. And she's yes, she's trouble exactly. So I think. Um, so yeah, so we so, but as Bull Moose got more stores, then we needed the ability to sync up sales data between the different locations in the office. So at that point, we were using you know like twenty eight baud modems, you know, and we would it'd be like every night the uh, they would after the store was closed they would connect in and <laughs> to the office and dump all their information. Um, and so we kept adding these things. We needed a better way to track, um, to do uh, purchasing old stuff, like just restocking things. You know, if you sold five, do you need six? Do you need five? Do you need one? You know, mm -hmm. where are you in the sales curve of an item? And a lot of the, uh, the really intense analysis is done on that and also on used pricing the buy and sell prices are okay yeah um, so maybe about 10 years in we had I guess it was in the mid 90s we started getting to know people with stores in other parts of the country and it started to get around that Brett had written this amazing software program to run Bull Moose and so one of our friends just you know convinced him to license it to them so then another company was set up which um was we started off just selling basically selling it to friends mm -hmm. you know um and uh, just a few years ago we decided to make it so we're field field stack we is a different company from the company that was selling to friends. This that's that's a more of like a startup vibe, sure. where we're more, uh, well, we're selling to people we don't know, <laughs> and selling to larger clients. And it's a much different, uh, it's a much different vibe. We we have a bigger staff, um, but an innovation that Brett came up with when we it was around the year two thousand, he transferred all the people in the office to work for the software company instead of work for Bull Moose. And the amazing thing that happened then was that we now, in the office, had to see 
the people who, at the Bull Moose stores, who of course are the people who are doing the real work, we had to see them not as employees of ours, like I, you know, like we worked our way up and now we get to tell them what to do. It was the opposite. We have to keep Bull Moose happy, so it's our job to make their job easier. Totally yeah. flipped everything. So now every major decision has to be looked at. Their paychecks are on the line, like. Yeah. Well, you don't know where you're next. When you're starting up a business like that, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. So it's a, a huge responsibility when you're in charge of that many people and their their families, their health insurance, their livelihood, right? the way yeah. they eat. Sure. Or even just the way their day-to-day stuff goes. So they're, uh, instead of saying, well, we, we, we've decided we're going to carry socks now. So we tell everybody, okay, Thursday, you're getting three giant boxes of socks. Figure out where to put them. You know, that's, we could be like that. But if we're thinking of Bull Moose as a customer, a client of Field Stacks, then it's, hey, we think you should sell socks. You know, we've got them all on order, but we've got the plan here. But we were, th- but we've bought you a sock display rack, it's going to go here, or your district manager's going to come and we're going to talk about how we're going to place it, is there something else that should come down? So it's a much more of a collaborative process. Sure. Uh, and it's also like just way more respectful. Perhaps you've had a job where just stuff comes down from above you huh. and it just... Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like... No thinking? explanation, no reason why. Yeah. No right. thought process behind it. It sounds like you guys really like including your... Employees, your internal clients, yeah, yeah, in on the process and letting them know what's going to be happening and why it's going to be happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the, I, some of the good ideas for the software have come from um, just people who are working here. I know? bet. Like, hey, there's this problem. You know, what if we did this? And. Uh, You know, you know, like how do you know? Like it's something that retail always has to deal with is you've got more stock than you can. You've got extra copies of whatever it is yes. in the back yes. room or under the bins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you do when one sells out of the bin? How do you know to put it another copy in? Mm-hmm. So somebody just started putting dots on the copies that were in the yep. you know yeah like a dot on the price sticker i worked at bull moose for two weeks oh did you really yes oh no kidding and ben brun's like yeah i ended up I, I took the job and then it ended up being like oh i actually don't have enough time to do this oh really yeah but i worked over there it was a great experience but unfortunately i had Just i had a work. job that was like 60 hours a week already oh so wow. i could i could manage both but it, i learned like a little bit about how you guys run the store and that was another reason why i wanted to come in because it's oh, so interesting it's so interesting like the way that you guys do inventory mm. is different in the way that your ordering system works because it's it's based on algorithms of what people buy in the store, right? Yes. Yes. And it's it's forward thinking, so we're trying to use that information to predict what we need in the future. Yes. Not like looking back and saying, well, this is what we needed last quarter. It, it's, you know, we're trying to get a whole bunch of trends all in there. And yeah. It's projection towards the future. Yeah, and there's some weird stuff in there that, um, you know, one thing that, so some, there are items that don't sell very much, but the people who buy them buy a lot of other things. Yes. 
So we've learned that you know those are important ones to keep in the store. Yes. So so the algorithm has to not just look at you know the individual widgets of the the things, but yes. also look at the people. You know the customers. Try to see them as. I don't know, like anonymous individuals. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're saying Joey likes this and Sarah yeah. likes that, but it's more like, um, you know, the people who tend to buy this thing also, you know, seeing the connections between yes. people and their tastes. Where do you think that came from? That, that, how did you guys start seeing it? Was it just because you guys are fans of music or that you love music or was this something that you noticed with just starting to work at the store, or was this something that you noticed with the software? Where did that Where did idea that come, from? come in? We were looking at the jazz section in the down the Portland store in the late '90s. I forget the exact year, and in general, you know, jazz sells much more slowly than other kinds of music. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, Especially then, like for us, Modesky, Martin, Wood, I guess, was the biggest jazz, you know, band for us, you know, because that that young people were into them. Then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but what? So it, we were just trying to see. I forget exactly why we looked at it, but what we discovered was that the people who bought, like on average, our jazz customers at that store, for, for every one jazz CD they bought, they bought six rock CDs. Mm, so interesting. You know, we realized that that was, you know, part of the texture or the flavor of the store that, that they wanted. Very much, yes. And that's you know, how I would describe it. Yeah, and you, of course, you know, then you had a lot of the. There were some, you know, DJs who knew who, you know, were, and just hip hop fans also got interested in jazz for the, you know, just for the great beats. Mm -hmm. So there was that as well, um, but that was a big. It, I mean that was a big realization. It's why you know even before that, but we were, we always used to really heavily. We still do heavily discount box sets. Again, figuring that anybody who's going to buy a box set is surely going to be you know a, a uh, they're probably regulars. You know. Yes. So let's cut them a deal on something yeah. that that they you know will mean a lot to them. You mm -hmm. know? try to give them a better better deal on something like that so there's a lot of um, you, you know but a lot of it just comes from observing and then wondering why why is, did it, does it work this it's way it's a, a very scientific approach the way that you guys are studying all, like that's what mm -hmm. I would call it you're, you're researching you're studying you're trying to to see what what the what your hypothesis is you're trying to figure it out and then you're trying to prove it through scientific method and either it fails or succeeds. You're absolutely right. Yeah, when we change things, we keep track of the date so we can do a before and after. If we move the display, like, uh, I don't know if you've been at the Scarborough Bull Moose yeah. recently, but did you see how we switched? I haven't been there in about two years, so I just, oh. just got in from Nashville, but I'm going to be going there definitely before I leave. I oh, always okay. make the pilgrimage. Well, remember how when you walked in, there was this like wall, mm -hmm. just like a wall, freestanding right wall. Right across from the registers, right? Yeah. Well, now we switched the registers in that wall so that the registers are in the middle of the store, like uh -huh. they are in some other Bull Moose locations. Sure. So, um, and then what had been the new release display is is up against the, the front windows, kind of more where it is in, in some other Bull Moose locations. So it's a little more... so. 
you know, that's the kind of thing you want us to that work. Was that a good idea? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can, so you can test things. Does, does putting the staff closer to the center of the store, can they do better customer service? Can they... So that was kind of the, the purpose of it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because the way it was before, that big wall blocked off the... the, the so if people are at the, at the register... You know, and there's a counter there. Sometimes they're doing work, not just checking people out. You know, it, it blocked their vision of a chunk of the store. So if somebody ne- mm. was like looking around, like they needed, couldn't find something. Now they can see them from a whole. Yeah, I can, right. Yeah, like a 360 view mm-hmm. if, if if it's in the center there. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, but that's the kind of thing you just you just Castro. You know, years. You might have noticed that when we moved. We integrated the used, the used CDs and DVDs into the regular section. So, mm-hmm. you know, we tried that in one store because we weren't sure. Does that make it easier for people to find the used one? If they, I, I think it does. Is it that's still the way it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have everything still makes sense. Yeah. Well, we were like, <laughs> but the question was, is that does? But we also knew that there's some people who want to only browse the used because they're looking for like the bargains. Sure. And they don't want to look through the whole store. They just sure. Wanna, so, are we going to be? So we're going to be helping people. Some one group of people, one t- who shops one way, but we're going to be make it harder for people who want to shop, shop a different way. way. So we, you know, we tried it in one store, and saw that uh, there were more people who enjoyed looking for a new movie and then finding a used one right next to it yes. way that way more people like that than those who um, had trouble you, you know only wanted to look through the used section absolutely i that's it's it's the experience like bull moose is an experience when you go there mm. i think that's what you guys succeed at i think that's why you have such loyal i don't even want to say customers i want to say fans mm. like like the kind of fandom that i have for bull moose i, I think of it as main youth culture like mm. I very much relate. Like everybody knows to go to Bull Moose when you're looking for something. You never know what you're gonna find there. You might find something completely funky and weird that you might not even find online. Mm. It might be something completely random that you didn't even know exists. Whether it's some random CD from 1972 of an artist that you really like that didn't really get released or was on a limited run or something like right. that. Right. Uh huh. So I. To go off on that little tangent, I mean, like I said before we started, I'm such a huge fan of what you guys are doing, and it's so remarkably different because we're in an era where record sales are down, the music industry is dying, and I will gladly spend every last dollar I have at Bull Moose versus anywhere else if oh, I have the wow. option to. So I just and feel you like live in Nashville, where there are a lot of options. I, I yeah, mean, I mean, different from us, but you know, they're good. You know, there's there's stores, great yeah. stores. There's definitely great stores down there. Yeah, but the way. I guess the way that I like to shop, mm-hmm. you guys are more in tune with that. Or maybe Bull Moose was the way, like, set the way that I like to shop. Maybe, huh? That could be a possibility, too. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, it's something that I've gained a lot of value from. And mm-hmm. I've just been watching you guys, like I said, growing up in Brunswick. I remember when there wasn't even, I don't even know if, geez, probably 2003, 2004 is when I first moved to Maine with my family. Uh-huh. And I remember first going into Bull Moose, the one that's down there, and how much it's changed just since then. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember going in there to go get uh, 
Evil Eye by the Misfits. Uh-huh. I was like super into the Misfits at the time. I was sure. like maybe in the seventh or eighth grade and I was yeah, getting yeah. into punk Perfect. rock. Uh-huh. So that was like my first exposure. So it was like every time I found a new thing, I would go into Bill Moose. And the other part of that is the staff. Like I feel like the mm-hmm. staff at the store, there's every employee there has a special niche that they know about, mm-hmm. whether it's movies, um, Latin jazz rock, uh, uh-huh. NES games from, from the early nineties yeah. or it can be anything. Like everybody has their specialty and it's just very interesting to me the way that you guys have run things and it comes from a very genuine place. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That, to a certain extent that is, I mean, getting people who know different things is, is planned. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I recall when, cause I, um, was responsible for hiring the initial staffs for the Lewiston and Portsmouth stores. Those mm-hmm. were the ones we opened in 1996. And this was before we were selling movies and video games. It was just music. And so I was very careful. I remember thinking, okay, we've got, you know, uh, somebody, college radio station person. We've got, you know, uh, somebody listens to pop radio. There's a sort of hippie type woman who plays keyboards in a you know blues band you know trying to get and then sort of you know trying to get these different personalities all the slices of the pie yeah yeah so that that uh, to rep, you know represent more and now what we've what we've come to realize is that even more important than having that uh, a good spread of uh of you know people with with just knowledge of different areas that deep deep knowledge even more important than that is finding people who like really at their core deep down wanna wanna help other people yes you know so it's about connecting connecting with people like uh, you know it it bothers me you know like high fidelity I mean Jack Black's character is funny but like, yeah. I, I, I wish that people didn't think that people who worked in independent music stores were, we're snotty all like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, you know, because um, I mean, sometimes they are, but it's like yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but it's the same way. It's just a everything. numbers game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, numbers you know, game of life. But you know, it it uh, you know, we really don't we don't think that that's the you know we want everybody to feel welcomed. You know, yeah, not for like sure. tolerated, like you know. Buying a Stevie Wonder for your daughter, you know, yeah. like good. I mean, now anybody would be praised probably for buying yeah, Stevie yeah. Wonder for their daughter now. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, we like to. Uh, it's definitely more about the, you know, that attitude, um, it, because the there's just this flood. I mean, we our database grows by. Rough, right? It's right around. It changes it week to week, but it probably averages about five thousand titles a week. Five thousand, like new, new titles. titles come into the store. Uh, no, come into our database. We only bring about five hundred new items in it a week. Okay, so this is just so when a new thing comes into the database, mm-hmm. what happens from there with it? Okay, well, uh, there are. There are several people here who are called, their job title is buyer. And they with go through what used to be paper catalogs and curly faxes, mm-hmm. but that are now mostly PDFs, mm-hmm. um, where they just get information and you have 
think I have a print one. You know, so like you get a little magazine and the summary in there, but you know, you get one sheet of paper about every release. And it's got, you know, uh, whatever they think might be helpful for uh, somebody who's trying to decide how many copies to order. So they'll talk about if somebody's going on tour or if, um, you know, how many Instagram followers they have sometimes if, you know, that's how they're going to drive it or they're opening for somebody or their last album did whatever. Um, so, uh, Very interesting. Yeah. So you, so you do, so they spend a lot of time going through those. And, you know, if you're a music lover, it's, or a movie lover, it's fun. Yeah, I can really see that. I bet, man, just the way that the infrastructure that you guys have had, I just think it's very, it's so fan oriented. Like I can, I can tell that you guys are smart in your business savvy and the way that you run things, but it seems like it's all coming from a very genuine, real place because mm. you love what you do. Sure. It comes across in the vibe of the store. Yeah. So, so how intentional was, it's, it sounds like it kind of was, I mean, going back to the employee right. thing, but Bull Moose has its very own funky vibe to it. Like if you walk into a Bull Moose, every single one has its own character, I would say, mm-hmm. that makes them all a little bit different from each yeah. other. Oh, good. But, the, like, as soon as I walk in, it's, it's a, it smells a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels a certain way. The people talk to you a certain way. Um, the store's laid out a certain way. And it all just feels very intentional and unintentional at the same time. It just feels like it all kind of came together through you guys trying one little thing at a time. And it slowly just changes into into what it's probably grown into yeah that's a really good observation and i i think a lot of it is brett's personality there are only a few of us two of us i think in this building who actually like worked the counter side by side with him ever I love, I love hearing that. I, I do love hearing but that. But there are two yeah. of us still here. Yeah, you know, exactly. Me and, and then our director of operations. But, it, so the th- but a lot of the, of course, a lot of the staff, member were custom- staff members were customers first. Of course, yes. So, but I think a lot of this is just kind of Brett's personality at work. Um, you know, we just learned from being around him that thing, and we've communicated it to to our, you know, co-workers just as we go. It's very special. I, uh, reckon, you know, I, 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 you know, I recognize that and, uh, you know, it makes it, you know, like one of my big, I have a number of responsibilities, but overseeing the marketing and promotions is one of them. And I think about how easy it is to do that for Bull Moose because I'm never like asked, you know, it's like if I was working for a, a toothpaste company or something, uh-huh. be like, you know, trying to get people to, you know, the special glow in the dark, whatever, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's cool. But, you know, I can see that, you know, everything we sell, somebody made to try to, you know, make, the, make somebody's life better, you know, express something and connect to people. Like, it's all coming from a positive place. Uh, but... It, a few years ago, I suggested that we 
I just I started thinking about it this way and just in my head, but I, I mentioned it to a couple people and now it's it, it just calling this thing the way of the moose. Mm-hmm. And now it's the that idea, you know, because like we knew that there was something different. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know how some fantasy books, like if you can name something, you have control over it? Sure, yeah, like, yeah. You know that you have to know the demon's real name and then, or, you know, yeah, whatever. yeah. Or the, yeah. you know, the elven word for wind, then you can control where the yeah, wind goes yeah. or something, if you, you know, that kind of thing. So um, by naming it, by naming this special thing, the way, now the way of the moose, it's something that, like, we all know what it is, we just didn't know what the name of it was. Yeah. And so now it's actually on, um, like, employee, you know, reviews. Yeah, I kind, of, I kind of vaguely remember that. I remember seeing that in the store before. No, I think... And it, hearing them talk about it. Oh, really? Because it's just been the last few years. Well, maybe it was... It was It was not that long ago. There's, okay. There's, in the Brunswick store, there was this guy who who was there for years. I can't remember what his name... It might have been Tyler was his name. He always had a Baltimore Orioles hat, but he always talked about the way of the moose. Mm, okay. Like, whenever they yeah. were doing something or something like that, he would... Oh, good. He would say... He would bring it up. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that... That, okay, see that, I mean, because it just needed a name. Yeah. It's even on the, like, but like on the reviews, like the, you know, if you're here for 30 days, you get a quick checkup and it's, you know, there's a thing on there about, you know, showing the way of the moose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how managers tell people what that is, but it is, uh, you know, treating, I mean, it's really, a lot of it's just doing your best and, you sure. know, but, you know, doing your best is you know, let helping other people do their best too. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not all, you know, we don't have a 17 point program of sure. what it is. It's more of, it's just more of that feeling. Integrity. That's a big part of it. Yeah. 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 That's a big part of it. There's a lot, there's a lot, uh, there's a, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to it. And I, uh, you know, part of it is like, uh, because the way of the moose is external and internal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I had this experience. I was thinking about this uh, just this week, actually, in, in just thinking about what we might be talking about. Um, that things that my gr- something my grandmother was trying to teach me, I didn't under I didn't get it until now, and she would always talk about how my grandfather would make a point of saying hi to the custodians and thanking them for, you know, keeping the place nice and all that. And she wanted me to know, you know, I was like, hey, yeah, okay, great, grandpa's a nice guy, that's good. Like, he'll say hi to people who both people blow off. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's great, okay, cool, nice guy. But what I... Um, Then in the years, so I worked for Bull Moose in college, graduated, left, and and in the few years before I came back, I worked for one of the big hospitals in Boston in like a side lab where most of the researchers were affiliated with either Harvard Medical School or Harvard School of Public Health. Mm -hmm. And I had like a secretarial job, just, you know, typing up papers and stuff. This was, you know, way before... You know, this is, things were barely computerized. So, 
you know, it was like we had these nine, nine or ten page forms where, you know, you had to physically walk stuff around to different departments mm-hmm. to get signatures before anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and at least at least an hour of my day was carrying, walking stuff around. Yeah, getting people to sign it, yeah, dropping oh, yeah. it off. Yeah, yep, that's right. And anyway, the, um, but somebody who, so this, I was, I don't know, 23, and there was somebody who was in our little administrative group. She was responsible for interfering, interfacing with the purchasing department. Yeah. And I, and she said that the purchasing, that, per, I forget what she said. Oh, she said purchasing is the shit department. And she was including herself in that. Mm-hmm. In fact, very soon after that, she left to go work for the purchasing department somewhere else. <laughs> which meant now I had to type up all the stuff, yeah. the requisitions and things. Um, but what I learned was, so thinking back on it, there was a sense that the purchasing, like the people who worked did the the like purchasing and accounts payable, like, you know, the human resources, like the people kind of keep the wheels going. Mm-hmm. I didn't, we're not was very well respected. And the, the, uh, the principal investigators were, often were, you know, kind of lordly and, and some of them were really nice, but, you know, well, just normal people, but some of them, I guess normal people too, were demanding, you know, the people, you know, like bullies really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so when I got to Bull Moose, so the thing is, I felt that I felt completely not valued. Like, you know, I was at the bottom of this thing and even, you know, I didn't like it, but I kind of accepted it as that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but when Brett asked me to come back, I was pretty ready. Yeah, <laughs> you I know, bet. to have a boss who would respect me again. Sure. You know, oh, because like the middle bosses, like the the boss of the administration section, was like, yeah, they're going to do that to you sometimes. You know, that's just. And they basically said, deal with it, right? Yeah, it was like you just have to put up with it. You know, because they're like, oh, they're geniuses and they don't have time to be thinking about being polite. It's like, no, well, actually, <laughs> that's that's common misconception. Yeah, yeah, right. Confair, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. And it's also, you know, um, you know, if you've lived in Boston for a while, there's a certain arrogance that some people have around. Anyway, whatever. Uh, they. So when I got back here, Brett always said that you know, the people who work in the stores are the ones who, that's, they're the ones who create the money. They're the ones who put stuff out, sell it, take the money for it. Mm-hmm. So, you have to, you know, have to respect them. And so, when I came here, you know, my job remained making it easier for other people to do what they want to do. But the difference is, at the hospital, it was like I had to because I was a peon. But here, it's more like everybody's an important part of the of the team, and everybody has a role to play. And so, you know, uh, we all you know we all support each other, and that's how we get get wherever we're going. Um, yeah. The yeah. power of teamwork. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
you know, definitely, I can feel that environment just as soon as I walked in this building, the way that you guys have this office set up is very employee friendly. Mm -hmm. It seems, it Mm -hmm. seems like a a clean space and a creative space at the same time, Ah. which I think is very important because sometimes those two don't always cross. It's kind of, kind of minimalist in here. I like it. I Mm -hmm. like, I like the vibe. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, we, you know, the field stack, it's partly it's the field stack. Sure. For people who can't see, yes. my office is right yes, off of yes, reception. Yes, of course, yeah. So, um, and all those um, those plaques on the floor that you walked by, yeah. those were all hanging in the Portland store in the mid to late 90s, and we just got them out yesterday just to look at them. And, uh-huh. So we're, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Trip down memory lane. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, should we make you know shirts out of them or postcards or whatever? That's cool. Yes. See, I love I love like the thought process. They're just like this chain of thought that you just see growing at every single store in a different way. Like at the Brunswick store, I remember when before they even had really had a lot of vinyl again. Because I uh-huh. imagine, did you guys stop carrying vinyl for a few years, or how did that work? Brunswick had less vinyl around the time you were there. Yes. Probably because where you were you you would if I get the timing right, you were there probably after the water main break above us. Yeah, I don't I don't so know they, anything about the about okay, that water so main. So you know break. there are four apartments up yes. above the Brunswick store. Yes, and yes. We always used to joke that we would buy the building and they'll live upstairs. Yes. But there some plumbing work was being done mm. and and construction or something so somebody I with might his have remembered this cut he cut a sink off the wall but he hadn't like accidentally cut a sink like right through the pipe oh shit and so then he came running downstairs saying where's the water shut off valve which of course you shut the water off before you start doing things like that yeah i mean he's lucky he didn't hit something electrical and kill himself but yeah no kidding you know i think he didn't know that the pipe he was on maybe mm. the other side of the wall, but it the so the the our store flooded because the like where the water shut off thing is like, was locked or in a weird closet and nobody oh. knew where it was. Yeah, and um, it took a while, but a lot of the records ended up like a lot of water damage on the records. Oh, so we okay. lost like a whole eight or twelve foot display of records. Damn. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them were, a lot of them were, well, a lot of them were cool, but a lot of them were also like, um, like 12 inches and things that, mm-hmm. you know, we just had one too many copy of, and now sure. it's like nobody wants that song anymore. Yeah. And so, it, 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 I mean, it maybe gave us more room to, to, to kind of start over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I remember basically, well, there was, there was definitely lean years for vinyl, but what, like you notice once vinyl started going back up, I think around the same time I noticed Bull Moose really started carrying a lot of new vinyl mm-hmm. and things started changing. Like things have just slowly started expanding. I remember there was probably, geez, it was a pretty small section. I don't even know how big I would say this is. Maybe it was like four by four four by maybe like two feet or something like that. It was just one right next to the registers and that's where all the new vinyl was. Mm -hmm. And um, I would always go in there every week. This was probably my senior year in high school. Uh So around 2010 
is when you guys, I think, really started getting like a lot of new vinyl that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing, and this is funny, I, I told my friend Ned this the other day, I used to really hate Arctic Monkeys a lot. I used to hate that band. Uh-huh. Um, I eventually ended up loving them, but the funny thing is, I found, um, I remember seeing like Humbug by Arctic Monkeys there and being like, fuck this album, I don't want it, I'm not interested in it, I uh-huh. hate them. And a couple of years later, I ended up becoming such a huge fan that became one of my favorite oh, records wow. by them. Huh. And I remember kicking myself because I was like, I should have bought it then. And I remember seeing all the 45s, like all the 45s from that album too, which now you can oh. get them all online, but they're kind of weird and like out of print and they're hard to find sure. out, of, out of their entire catalog. Mm-hmm. And that's considered, that album's considered like a fan favorite. Mm. But it's just funny to see how how taste and how perspective can change over time. And like the, when my tastes matured, like I feel like Bull Moose was kind of maturing at the same time. Like mm-hmm. the vinyl section started expanding more and more and more. And it started, the book section got added in. You guys bought up the salon that used to be there on the corner yeah. and knocked out those walls. And that became the book section. And I even noticed I was in there um, earlier this week and I noticed that the book section had even expanded beyond what it was the last time I was in there. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's, it's beautiful to see, like I, whatever you guys are doing, please keep doing it. Never stop. I hope you exist forever and ever and ever. It's such an important Mm. part. I feel as a musician, it was such a huge part of my development as a human being in discovering music and developing my taste and developing like my buying patterns. Definitely. Uh, Like uh, thinking of it that way, you know, cause I, I have friends now living in Nashville. I have friends from all over. And a lot of them, where they come from, they don't have like a record store that they grew up with. And I feel kind of, I guess, lucky in the experience that even though I was growing up in an era that didn't really have that, I had that in Bull Moose. Mm. And it was such a huge part. And it's a huge part, I would say, of Brunswick culture too. Like during the summertime, like the thing is to go to Danny's Hot Dogs, like walk around downtown, go into Bull Moose, go get get some gelato, maybe maybe go get a donut or something. It's... It's such a huge part. I feel like you guys are part of the the community and a huge part of Brunswick, a huge part of Maine. It's such a large. I'm a, I'm a total fanboy, as you can tell. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's so nice. It's so nice. Um, I have a question actually about Record Store Day. Oh yeah, sure. What role did you guys play in in Record Store Day and it kind of it coming online a little bit more? Okay. Uh, well, I proposed it. I guess that's the role we had. I said, you know, let's pick a day and I'll get as many stores as we can to. So it started. It started with with you guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like we didn't do the first one. I mean, yeah. we were one of the six hundred locations sure. that, that did the first one. But uh, yeah, at the time was the. Um, so if you people who really know a lot about collecting records, shopping in independent mm-hmm. stores may know that there are three coalitions of independent chain stores. Okay. And um, they, we started working together. It was um, actually uh, Weezer has a lot to do with this. Really? Weezer is the prehistory. Yes. So, do you remember? You may remember that there used to be like the big box stores would fight with each other, and they'd have like you know a Celine Dion extra song for 
for one chain, sure. you know, to, to get it. Like FYE and... Yeah, or like Target and Best Buy. It's oh, like yeah, yeah, like the bonus track thing. That's exclusive to their thing, sure. right? So, you know, that was always a... You know, we knew that, I mean, we knew that that was a, a threat because we didn't want... We didn't want to lose that, you know, the, the pop fan we wanted them to come to our stores mm -hmm. and you know we could we could match their pricing and lose money on the on the, those items but we couldn't you know create stuff so we went to interscope and said what do we need to do to uh get get one of those things done and they said uh, $25,000 probably thinking that they were gonna that that was too high a number for us so um the guy who a few years ago I worked a few years later I it was involved very heavily involved in record store day he he just kind of went to all of us and said well here's the thing if we can do you know we could get a Weezer EP but you know we have to buy set seven twenty whatever it was twenty five thousand between all of us so what that required was the three coalitions all working together. Beautiful. It turned into, we'll take 10, you take 10. The it's like the Justice five. League of record stores. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're right, but you're right. You've got, the, you know, there's the Justice League and there's the, you know, the Teen Titans and, yeah. you know, whatever, the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes they all, you know, and then some... And so Record Store Day is the big crossover yeah, saga, you yeah. know, multi... Yeah, yeah it's, it's the blockbuster event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but to get there, so this, so we got this Weezer thing to happen, and it was a big splash, because it was the first, you know, it was, it was, it was great. And, and not only was it, it wasn't just like an extra song at the end of the Weezer album, it was all like... It was Record Store Day. This right. was before Record Store Day. Okay. So this was wow. like... So this was only going to be available at the Lion and the Witch is what it's called. I it's think like, I, I know that EP. Yeah. Yeah, it's like B sides, I think. But yeah. that was yeah. I think you can get it digitally now. But it was yeah. it was originally just it was created you know for us, and it was, um, and then uh, Regina Spector recorded a live EP at Bull Moose. Um, there might have been one or two at other stores. And so there were so on the way in the so in the early early 2000s we were sort of the three coalitions were just starting to collaborate more and more sure so in 2007 when I I was the uh, chairman of the board of one of the coalitions and so I suggested to the president I, I was writing him an email and saying hey you know this thing that you guys put together was really cool blah 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 blah, blah. And, and just as I was writing out loud I was like oh wait you know what if we had our own day, you know, like an independent music store day, but don't call it that. <laughs> so I, I, no, I, what did I say? Independent, don't call it independent record store day. But, you know, we have a day where all the stores just do whatever special thing they like to do, mm -hmm. whether it's a barbecue or, you know, you know, whatever their idea of a good, you know, good thing is. Yeah. You know, do what they would normally do if they were going to have a special party, but let's all do it on the same day and call it a, you know, call it a holiday because we'll get people will notice then. Yeah. Um, that was right after a, a lot of the big chain stores had been closing stores like crazy. Like they built too many stores in the 90s and mm -hmm. then, um, you know, you didn't need. 
you know, like when if when it you know there's a like a, companies were buying other companies and yes. then they'd own. It was kind stores. of cannibalizing itself. Yeah, right. Like they would have, you know, which I'm sure you were like, well, we have two stores in the same town. I mean, really, in, in a block apart, we don't, you know, one in the mall, one right outside the mall. We don't need both. Yep. Especially since there's other stores right in there. And, you know, so they were wise to close them. But it made everybody get really nervous. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I thought was really important was to turn turn the narrative a little bit because there's all this press about the CDs dying, music industry's over. It was really negative, and especially when yes. Tower when Tower closed, yep. that was um, a surprise to um, everybody outside the music industry, and people inside were were sad, but maybe not quite as surprised, but. Um, What independent stores and independent labels generally were feeling were act- those were years of growth. Mm-hmm. So we were growing through that period, um, having great, you know, great things were happening, but nobody was talking about it. What do you think the reason was for that growth? What could you? If there's a few things you could yeah, attribute yeah. it to, um, that and like like we were talking about era earlier, yeah. and an era where things were kind of on the decline, you guys seemed to be on the upswing. Well, some of it, I mean, it, for in the case of Bull Moose and the stores that were using our system at that time, I mean, that had a lot to do with it. The efficiencies, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, it takes, the, because the, the, the algorithms can do some of the grunt work that humans would have to do, take you forever with a spreadsheet trying to fix, you know, do stuff, and they can just do it so much faster, which then frees up the humans to do, do creative things. Yes, work smarter. You know, like you have, you know, if you have a, a music buyer who really knows, really knows their stuff, you know, they shouldn't have to spend a lot of time, like it's a waste of them to try to figure out how many copies of, James Taylor's greatest hits to reorder, you know, because that's something that sells pretty, you know, maybe you're better off having that person come up with a big display of whatever, the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, display that a computer can't do that. Yes. Or, you know. The human element. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like computers are good at some things and we are good at some things. Yes, beautiful. I love, I love hearing the way that you guys really embrace like it sounds like right from the beginning with open arms you embrace technology becoming a part of your business and nothing and, it, and it's ref- it's so refreshing to see especially i mean you guys are like like the final step in the music business mm. like it i talked to, to adam yesterday from gateway oh cool and we were kind of chatting and we were chatting about the process and he's a, he's really like the final step before it there's like a few steps in between you guys but it's it's not all that far removed. Like there is a lineage of how things go. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like the tail end of the creative process yes. and then the very beginning of manufacturing. Yes, yes. He, he, they they straddle those two worlds. So yes. you have to be artistic and 
you know, an engineer as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Adam's a cool guy. Yeah. I like it, him a lot. It was really cool. I, I This is actually the first time I've been back to Maine. I've been gone for about two years now, mm. um, living in, in Nashville. I, um, I, I'm 25 now, and basically from my... From the time I graduated in 2010 mm-hmm. until now, I've always like left for a little while, come back home for a year, maybe left for another year, came back home, and Nashville has has really stuck. But the the one thing that I always miss Maine, I always love it, and mm. it's very special to me because this is where I grew up. But um, yeah, I mean, again, like I, I can't I can't praise you guys enough, and really what you do, and how fantastic I, I think it is and how important I think it is. And mm-hmm. I hope that there are still youths today. There's like some kid in seventh grade who's, who's going to discover like Miles Davis there for the first time on accident. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like random and totally accidental. Um, and it seems to just be the kind of culture and the kind of environment that you really foster. That's great to hear. And, and you know, I do feel some of that responsibility. You, you sort of shade it over into this, this thing that I do, I feel we have a responsibility to stay open and keep it so you can just walk into, you know, um, like when we added books into our Waterville store, um, there was no book, I don't think there was a bookstore in, in, I know there was no bookstore in Waterville, there might not have been a bookstore in in the whole, like, greater Waterville area. Yeah. Like like one that was going to have a, lo- a wide variety of yeah. books, like a 4,000 square foot sure. book, book department because the Mr. Paperback that had been there had closed. Mm-hmm. You know, like they closed all their stores. So yeah. as soon as they were next door to us and so as soon as they did, everybody was saying, when are you going to start putting books in there? Books, yep. you should take it over. And we've, you know, you have to deal with the landlord before that. Yeah. She <laughs> could take some time. So how much, I, and see, see if you can you can actually answer mm. this. How much of a role does does a fan actually play? Are you guys like in contact? Are you listening to people who shop at the store? Like, are you asking their opinions? Are you noticing the buying patterns? Are you how 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 do you make? I guess, and you you probably answered this a little bit earlier. How do you make a decision to try something new? Well. To circle back to Record Store Day. Yes. Record Store Day was just, this This could be cool, let's try it, we don't know what's going to happen. Yes. So sometimes you just do something, and maybe it'll be cool, maybe, you know, maybe it won't. Yeah. And then the peop- people, res- you, you know, you can tell from people's reactions. Yes. People. But um, everybody knew that needed to happen. Yeah. In fact, and if I hadn't suggested it, Probably somebody else would have suggested something else because there was a whole, somebody's got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I was just the one who said, well, we indies could do this. Beautiful, yeah. You know, which then cheered, like, cheered up all the, you know, like the people at the record labels got really energized them. And, you know, and that's where you start to see, that was 2008. Yeah. That was the first one. And you mentioned vinyl coming, see more vinyl by 2010. That was when it started and part of it was that the major labels realized that um, bands like Disturbed, who are huge, you could send 10, 10 million CDs, should also, there's, would make sense putting them on record. Yeah. They should, they should, their albums, you know. Could sell. Could sell on records, yeah, yeah. too. You know, um, 
or the, uh, you know, like if people were still into Creed, you probably sell a little bit of Creed, you know? I mean, yeah, all that, yeah. all, you know, what, just, just There's whatever. a space for everything. Yeah, and now every, every, pretty much every minor, every artist, pretty much every rock artist, almost everyone, unless they know that they're just not a vinyl artist, will release some kind of vinyl. Uh, it's different in other genres. Um, you know, it seems like the hip-hop folks tend to want it. They don't want to wait for the, mm -hmm. for stuff to be pressed, so they just let... They, go, they just get it. They just get it when they get it, which gives... Actually, there are, I don't know much about it, but I hear that there are... Um, uh, that stuff just gets bootlegged. So people make just take it by the CD and then mm -hmm. use that to make in Europe some just make illegal copies on a so so on a anyway, closing yeah, note right okay yeah what what do you think is next in the the way that music is consumed like we've seen so many changes happen through through time whether mm -hmm. it's been vinyl then eight track then cassette then CD, now MP3, mm. I don't think this is the final form. I don't think digital is necessarily, well, mm. that MP3 is the final form. I don't know what is next. I don't know, I, I think this is all very exciting. I don't really know what yeah. I'm trying to say, but what if you had to make a prediction, knowing technology and kind of trying yeah. to look towards the future, what would you say is next in the way that music is consumed? Where do you see it going? All right, so, um, Okay, I may have to check a few things off. Okay. That's like negative. So, sure. you know, people say that musicians who don't have enough revenue should uh, sell, you know, they can make their money live and uh, sell T-shirts and merch. The thing is, we, no, we don't need enough clothing to support a large number of you know, like how many records do I have? Like yeah. My own in here, you know. Yeah, like, I can I can see you have quite like a lot of that's my, you know, just my personal collection. Yeah, collection. I, I brought in, or, and you know, it's like I don't really want. Well, a lot of those people wouldn't. I couldn't get T-shirts, but let's pretend I could. I wouldn't want twenty-five band T-shirts. Yeah. I don't want twenty-five T-shirts to begin with. Yes. So that couldn't happen, and you know, you can't. Some people can't tour. You know. Like if you said to someone like Nick Drake, you have to tour. He's like, I'm terrified. I, yeah. You know, I need to play one gig. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, so there has to be some way of, of uh, and neither of those things requires somebody creating the music. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's no digital model now that is going to provide enough money to feed a generation of musicians. So you might, so, and I know people are fighting a lot about how, how that money gets distributed. Um, I think the problem is that uh, there may just flat out not be enough of it to support everybody who needs to be supported. 
And I know on Record Store Day last year, no, maybe it was Black Friday in, in England, yeah, whatever, one of the two Record Store Days last year in England, it was reported that the revenue from vinyl that day surpassed the revenue from maybe the units for, for like paid, you know, subscription. Mm-hmm. You know that so it was like the biggest the biggest thing, and and in the U.S. the money that comes from vinyl, which is two percent of the sales, that's more revenue. That, like revenue as in money paid to the record company to get dispersed to the, you know, the recording studios and musicians and everything. Mm-hmm. More money comes from vinyl than from the the freemium things. You know, just. Whatever little bit they get from people watching the videos on yes. Vimeo and YouTube and Spotify yes. and all those things. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, I like the Patreon model. Are you familiar with? It's more of Patreon. It's more no. of an artist thing. So that's like, it's you pay somebody a monthly. Whatever it is, yes, to get there, basically to allow them to keep creating. It's like kind of in the Renaissance, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Except you don't have to suck up to like one person. One, it's, one family. It's, it's distributed. Yeah. yeah. So you know, if enough people, you know, let you know, an aspiring comic, you know, comic writer or comic artist yeah. could be work, have a job, you know, like designing really boring ads for a uh, newspaper or they could be drawing all day making making comics so if, if enough people are willing to you know help them get a basic income from doing what what they really ought to be doing according to their heart and their should get their talent it's that kind of thing yeah so i think you could get that happening with music um from artists who don't mind sharing little bits of things as they go. Sure. You so like a subscription-based model. It's almost similar, maybe not quite like this, but what Jack White is doing with Third Man. Mm-hmm. Like they have the Third Man vault, and you can get a subscription to that, and it comes in the mail, so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Hey, well, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been um, very mind-opening. And like I said, I'm a huge fanboy of Bull Moose, and it's impacted me greatly, and I knew if I was coming home that I wanted to sit down with someone to talk, so I really appreciate it. Oh, cool. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Love these. Thank you. Mm